and it's his plan we should be following. To give us some idea how important both are to God, only two chapters into the Bible, and God is telling us about his design for both, how it is that we can experience the delight and the joy of life together, husband and wife, in the marriage relationship. How the family is to function, parents and children. It's not just a matter of good advice, it's following the divine blueprint. As with everything in life, you have a choice to make. Follow God's plan, do things God's way, or pursue your own ideas and try doing things your own way. God says, here it is. Follow this plan and experience my blessing on your life, your marriage, and your family. Disregard it, and you'll likely be disappointed, disillusioned, and certainly missing out on God's best. In a world that says marriage is optional, disposable, and redefinable, God says it is for one man and one woman. It is permanent and a sacred mystery. Psalm 128 says it best. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Okay, wives, kids, husbands, we're going to try to speak each week a, a biblical word at each one of you. And uh, you know that the families, there's lots of words that get, get uh, thrown around. You ever talk to somebody and they say, so, so how's it going in the family? And they say, oh, not so good. We've been having words. Ever heard that before? Not so good, man. We've, we've been having words. Well, you know, we want to get the right words in, into our families. And uh, that means we have to look at each person in the family and, and say, well, well, you know, what does the Bible have to say about what, what unique word for that particular person in the family. So each week, that's what we're going to do. And uh, today, we're going to start by focusing on, uh, on wives. And uh, uh, it's important that as we do that, uh, we get a good cultural perspective here of uh, where the Scripture comes from when, when we start speaking about, uh, about wives. In today's culture, so often we get to this point in a message and we go into... Ephesians 5, which we will do, and we start quoting scripture, and as soon as we do that, uh, right away, uh, the wives in the room, the women in the room, just kind of turn the switch off and say, okay, done, right? Now the women say, amen, been there, right? Yeah, okay, I, okay, I understand that, but uh, so what I want to do is I want to start by trying to get some, some cultural context so you understand what the real word of the gospel is to you, uh, wives. Now, I know not everybody in the room is a wife or a husband, but I, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit that throughout this series that there, there, you know, it's going to bring a word somehow uh, into your life as well. But we need to uh, take some time to talk to, uh, talk to families. So let's start by just getting kind of a, a cultural perspective here of, uh, of the position that wives had in the world when, uh, when the gospel got addressed uh, into family, okay, and into wives in particular. So we can go to this guy here, Demosthenes, uh, who was a Greek, and uh, uh, back in, you know, in, uh, before Jesus there, Jesus' day, and, and here's what he had to say about the position of women uh, in the Greek world. He said, 
Uh, We have courtesans for the sake of pleasure, we have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, and we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately. Wives, you feeling good so far? This really really lift you up there, didn't it? Yeah, where, where is he putting you? Yeah, well, if that's not enough, go to the next Greek. We've got another Greek guy here. He says about his wife, Let her live that she might see as little as possible, hear as little as possible, and ask as little as possible. What's his viewpoint? Pretty little, right? I mean, his view of where wives fit into the scheme of things is, is, is pretty little, wouldn't you say? Yeah, sure, we can go further and go into the Roman world. And uh, here, here's um, the Roman culture would say, women are married to be divorced. Now, wives, are you really lifting you up now so far? You're tracking with me? You haven't turned me off yet, right? Yeah, so what, what is the melu of culture in, in this Greek culture, Roman culture? What's the position of women? Well, not very high, right? Wives, not very high. In the Roman world, wives had no legal authority. Uh, the only way they had any kind of legal recourse was through, through the avenue uh, of their husband, right? Wives' position in the Roman world was, was basically just a little above the slave's position in the Roman world. Along came uh, God and his people, and in, in the Hebrew culture, the position of a woman was elevated higher than that, although, you know, still not elevated tremendously high. If you uh, go into uh, Deuteronomy, you get the experience of Deuteronomy 24, and this is what developed the culture, the Jewish culture, in which Jesus stepped into in his ministry, Okay. It says, suppose a woman was divorced by her first husband because he found something disgraceful about her. He wrote a divorce papers, uh, gave them to her, and sent her away. For what purpose could a husband write divorce papers on his wife in this culture? According to it, is if she did something disgraceful, right? If there was something disgraceful about her. Now, in, in the Jewish rabbis of the day, if you had a conservative rabbi, that rabbi would say, well, what this means is, is if she committed adultery. If she had an extramarital affair and did something really that disgraceful, you could write a letter of divorce. But on the other side, there were liberal rabbis who said, oh, no, no, no. If she does anything disgraceful, like burn your toast, as disgraceful as that could be, you could write a letter of divorce. This is the experience that the gospel of Jesus Christ steps into. Okay? Now, women, you've got to get this. Do you see the position that the world has put women in before the gospel? Jesus steps into the world. And what happens with women? Jesus has women who are followers of his. Jesus spent time with a woman at a well. And and the disciples come back and they even ask, well, what are you doing? You're spending time with her, a woman? What? Jesus lifted women into a higher position of regard. He lifted women so high that on the day that he was resurrected from the dead, the day he rose from the dead and the most tremendous news that the world could ever hear in all of history, the first people 
to hear that news and the first people for him to say, look, go tell the news, was two women. How does Jesus deal with women? Do you see how he elevates women? And then you enter into this an incredible statement made by the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul in uh, Galatians 3 says this, Faith in Christ Jesus is what makes each of you what? You can say the word, women. Equal. Does that feel good? You bet, man. Faith in Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus is what makes each of you equal with each other, whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free person, a man or a woman. Do you see how the gospel, contrary to the culture in which it was originally spoken, lifted up women? This was radical. This was radical for its days. Christianity was one of the most radical religions when it came to its position and its attitude and its elevation of women. That, that, that a woman could be proclaimed and conceived as being equal. Okay? Just, now you with me? This, okay. Now, with that, you have to understand, Paul is lifting us up um, to be equal. So you have to say, well, how could Paul say this? How, how could we understand this? Where, where did Paul get this besides the Holy Spirit? If you go back into Genesis... In Genesis 2, and you get the creation experience, um, the CEV, Contemporary English Version, makes a great translation that helps us understand the position of women. It says, The Lord God said, It isn't good for a man to live alone. I need to make a suitable, what? Servant for him. Oh, I'm sorry. No, right. What does it say? Partner. It says partner, right? It doesn't say, I need to make a suitable servant for him. It says, look, I need to make a suitable partner for him, right? This, this is what God is doing, right? This has been from the beginning. It's we, humanity, who has distorted this word of God. And if you look at the process in which God created women, you see in Genesis 2, it's the next slide, it says, none of the, those that, that were created, he brought before him, none of these were right as a partner for the man. So the Lord God made him fall into a deep sleep, and he took out one of the man's ribs. Then after closing the man's side, the Lord made a woman out of the rib. The Lord God brought her to the man, and the man exclaimed, Ha ha! Yes, 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 yes! Here, yes, is someone like me. She is part of my body, my own flesh, and my bones. She came from me, a man, so I will name her woman. And that's why a man will leave his own father and mother. He marries a woman, and the two become like one person, although the man and his wife were both naked, and they weren't ashamed. Why weren't they ashamed? Well, because there was no power. They were partners. They were partners, right? And, and notice, you know, they, we look at this creation experience, and we see that that woman was made out of the side, out of the rib of a man. There's another interesting commentary that made the observation that uh, when we come to the creation experience, uh, woman is the first one made not out of dirt. How's that feel, guys? We were made out of mud, right? Women, no, they weren't made out of mud, right? Interesting, isn't it? 
Sure. Do you see, do, do, ladies, are you, do you see how the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ elevates you? I hope you do. Now, what do we do with this, this uh, message? How do we take this now that, that the gospel has elevated women to, to this position of freedom uh, in, in Christ? Well, now we get back to the center of what we're trying to do with the message, and that is, well, okay, with that in mind, what is the word? What is the word that this gospel wants to speak into this partner who is wife? Okay, what's the word? And too often, when we come into this, women latch on to the wrong word. I'll prove it to you. All we have to do is we're trying to get the correct word in there for wives. All we have to do is we look for that correct word is go to Ephesians 5. It says in Ephesians 5, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, ladies, are you still turned on with me here? I mean, you still got the ears open, right? Yes. And what word, if you would choose your word, you all chose it right there, what's the word that you would, you would just latch on to out of that passage? Okay, submit, right? And, and, and women think, wives think, that that's the word. That that's the word that the Bible chooses to uniquely give to the wife. Guess what? It doesn't. That's not your word. You share in that word, but it's not uniquely your word. I can prove it to you. All you have to do is go to Ephesians 21, the verse prior to this one, prior to Paul speaking to wives. All you have to go is to that, to that verse, and I'm using, going to use the amplified version on this. And you can see verse 21 there. It says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Verse 21 is speaking to whom? Yeah, everybody in the room, right? It, verse 20, it was saying, look, all of you now should be in submission to Christ and therefore to one another. The submit word, it's for all of us. The submit word is not the unique word that he speaks in the wives. It is a word that he speaks to all of us. We're all supposed to be those people who submit to the authority of Christ in our life. We're, we're supposed to be the ones who release and surrender ourselves to the grace and the goodness of God in our life. We're supposed to be people who are in subjection to the desire, will, and dreams of God for our life. This is something we all share. This is not a unique word just to wives. What Paul is doing in this passage is speaking to all of us first and saying, look, this is what we all have to do. We all need to be in that position of submission one to another. And, and at the same time, wives, remember, that applies to you in how you relate to your husband. And husbands, remember, that applies to you just like Christ is the head of the church, you know. Well, so that applies to you. Jesus gave up everything for his church, so you do that too. That's what it means to be the head. And, and then back to wives saying, well, okay, wives, you remember this now. Be in submission to your husbands. That is... Be that person who puts the needs of your husbands first. And that, that's the best translation I think we can look at is if you look at the CEV translation of the same uh, passage. It says, honor Christ and do what? Put others first. That is submission, isn't it? 
It's saying, look, I'm going to put myself lower so I can raise others higher. Right? That's a word he speaks to all of us. And then he speaks to wives, saying, look, this goes into your marriage relationship. Now, wives, you should put your husband first as... as, uh, she does the Lord. And, and a husband, well, you should put your wife first as Christ is the head and the Savior of the church. You, you should do that too. And wives, remember, don't forget, always put your husbands first as the church puts Christ first. You see what he's doing here? Now, what's really great for us is that, that this observation, this teaching to our families is, is not uh, just in this one place in Ephesians 5. Um, if you go into 1 Peter 3... And uh, remember, we spent some time in First Peter. Remember that? And First Peter talked a lot about that whole submission thing, right? Submitting to authorities, right? Submitting to Christ first, submitting to the governing authorities. Well, First Peter says, if you are a wife, you must put your husband where? First. It's okay to say it, ladies. Put your husband first. Even if he opposes our message, you will win him over by what you do. No one else will have to say anything to him because he will see how you honor God and live a pure life. Okay? What, what's the point? Well, we get another place in Scripture where it's saying into our relationships, listen, you, you need to put yourself lower and lift the other higher. Right? And this is what he expects of all of us. And wives, because it's expected of all of us, it is expected equally of you. If you need one more confirmation of that, you can go to Titus 2. And uh, I, I like I threw this uh, verse three in there just just in case somebody needs to hear this this morning. Tell the older women to behave. Anybody need to hear that this morning? I thought I'd throw that in there. Tell the older women to behave as those who love the Lord and should. They must stop gossip about others and be slaves of wine. They must teach what is proper so the young women will be loving wives and mothers. Each young woman must be sensible and kind as well as a good homemaker who does what? Who puts her husband first. Then no one can say insulting about the things about God's marriage, about God's message, right? So, so what have we said so far? Well, well, the gospel elevates women. But what we do because we're captured by the gospel is we put ourselves in the position willingly of serving others. And that means in our marriage relationships, wives, you willingly serve your husbands. Husbands, you willingly serve your wives. This is the foundation. This is the expectation of both husbands and wives. This is not the unique word that is spoken into wives. It is the word spoken to our marriage relationships and how we treat them. You with me so far? Ah, but now you're all asking this question, aren't you? Okay. So what's the word? Or am I the only one asking that question? Right? I mean, what's the word then? If, if that's not the word, because I thought that was the word. That's why I turned it off all the time. I thought that was the word. It's not. This is not the word. There's a, there is a word in Ephesians 5 that is spoken specifically to husbands and a word that is spoken specifically to wives. It's right here. In 533b, the first half of uh, verse 33 is spoken to husbands. The second half is spoken to, uh, to wives. Husbands, your turn is coming, okay? So don't be nudging her a lot today and doing all I mean, we're going to get to you in two weeks. So, okay, just be warned. Get to you in two weeks. But wives, this is your day. 
And this is your unique word. This is the unique word that, that the scripture speaks into a wife. Okay? And each wife should respect her husband. Each wife should respect her husband. That's your word. That word is not spoken to, to anybody else. It, it, that word is not spoken to the husband. Something else for them, right? It, this is uniquely spoken to the wives. Wives, let, let me just get, get something out in the open. If you haven't noticed it, your husbands are different. I mean, different than you are, okay? I mean, you can look at them right now and just say, honey, you're different. It's okay, right? They are, aren't they? Wives and husbands aren't the same. Men and women, we're not the same. We're made different, right? We, we go back into the Genesis experience, and, and when Adam was formed, he was formed out of that dirt. He was made one way, and, and when Eve was formed, Eve was formed out of the rib of man, and, he, and she was made a different way, right? And so when God made us, he wired us differently. Men are men, women are women. We're not the same. We are different. And this is the place where, where the Scripture understands and acknowledges that difference. And it says, wives, you have to treat your husband in a way that is uniquely speaking into his life. If you want to serve him, if you want to put him first, if you want to do the gospel of submission, that is the gospel of willingly putting the needs of your husband first, then you need to know his needs. And this is the word. Your husband needs your respect. That's what he needs. Your husband needs your respect. If we look at the amplified version, it kind of unpacks the word a bit. And I think it's really a great job. It says, And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him, and that she defers to him, praises him, Loves and admires him, how much? Exceedingly. Oh, the guy's like that. Huh? But is that unpacking what it means? Right? The, the, I mean, this is the reality. The unique word that the gospel speaks into wives is because it wants you to understand, look, your husband is not like you. He has a different set of needs. And, and it's really important for your husband to know and to experience how you respect him, how you put his needs first by virtue of this respect. So what does that look like then? How, how do we respect? You know, respect how becomes the next question, right? Is that it? We just show a little respect? No, res- respect how. I want to suggest this morning that the scripture gives us uh, three places to understand, and there's, there's more, but I just want to touch on three this morning that seem to be those priority needs in our marriage relationships as a wife brings respect into the life of her husband, okay? Uh, And we know that God is three in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit wrapped up in one. And, And we know that when God formed us and fashioned us and made us unique with all those unique needs as men and women, he equally made us uh, with spirit, with soul, and with body. And, and wives, as you respect your husbands, it is to speak into their life. It is to, it is to serve them and that, put them first in that way in each of those categories. 
So if we think about what, what does it mean for us to speak to your husband's spirit? Okay? Well, husbands like you in this case, husbands, all of us, we're just created this, we need an intimate spiritual relationship with God. If we don't have that, we're searching. We see that all over our culture. We just built that way. We're just wired that. We wired that way. We need this intimate spiritual relationship with God. One of the ways, wives, you can respect your husband is by entering into that spiritual relationship with them. Being there and entering into that spiritual relationship uh, with them. There's a great verse in the Old Testament. It's uh, one of my absolute uh, favorite verse that talks about the spirit and intimate faith. And I think what it, what it means is out of Isaiah uh, 43. It says, When you cross deep waters, I will be with you, and you won't drown. When you walk through fire, you won't be burned or scorched by the flames. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, the God who saves you. What is God trying to do when he gives us that word? He's, isn't he giving us a sense of confidence in his presence? That, that we can experience this, we can go through rivers and we can go through flames, we can go through the challenges that he knows we're going to experience because we know he is with us. This, wives, is an intimate experience of your spiritual relationship with your husbands so that they know no matter what they face, no matter what they do, you share that faith with them. They know. They can face the flames, they can face the waters because they know their wife their wife is going to be right there with them in faith. That they don't go it alone, not just as God with them, but they know that their wife, their partner, is right there with them in faith. This is an awesome way that you bring respect into your husband's life and you put him first. Second thing is uh, our soul. And uh, you want to speak to a soul, to a man, it, it, I think, talks about intimate praise, right? And we kind of unpacked respect here, but did you notice... How, how much of that stuff, as the Amplified unpacks it, it even says, praise him, loves and admires him. Do you remember gr- women when you were in, uh, in grade school? And, uh, you know, you're out in the playground, and uh, sure enough, there's this boy on the monkey bars hanging upside down and contorted all over, you know, and, and you're walking along, and what does the guy do, the boy do? Hey, look at me! Right? Why does he do that? Because he wants you to look at him and say, Oh, you're wonderful. Isn't that right? Right? Because that's what his mommy does. Okay? Whenever he does anything, his mom says, Oh, honey, you are wonderful. Am I right? Yeah, guys, we need this, don't we? We need to know that our wife is our biggest fan. We need to know that our wife admires us. We need to know that our wife looks at us and chooses us. We need to know that our, that our wife is there. And even when we make the worst mistakes in our life, she is still going to be there and still be our fan. Even when we mess up at work, even when we mess up being a dad, even when we mess up, to know that our wives are there saying, Honey, I choose you. Honey, you're the best in my life. This, this is what men need. Wives, this is how you speak respect into your husband's life when you become their biggest fan and you admire them and you lift them up in the ways that uh, Paul is talking about here, 
that you praise them and you uh, admire them exceedingly. Last one. We speak also not just about uh, spirit and soul, but obviously we speak about body. And wives right now are saying, okay, here it comes. And uh, okay, look, it's fifth grade communion today, and so we got lots of kids in the room and family, so we're going to keep it G-rated. But the reality is the Bible talks about this. And, and the Bible's really clear about this, that, that wives, you need to understand the way your husbands are wired. And this is, this is one of the big ways that men are wired. And you just need to know that. And, and one of the ways you speak respect to them is by honoring that part of who they are. And so uh, Paul can say in 1 Corinthians says, 7, Husbands and wives should be fair with each other about having sex. A wife belongs to her husband instead of to herself. And a husband belongs to his wife instead of to himself. So don't refuse sex to each other unless you agree not to have sex for a little while in order to spend time in prayer. And uh, some husbands think their wives pray too much. I'm just telling you. Right? Why? Well, because this is just who we are. It's the way God wired us. We're dirt, remember? You're the rib. We're the dirt. Right? It's just the way he, he wired us, you know? And, and wives, you just need to understand, right? Remember, this is how you put, one of the ways you put your husband first is, is you elevate him by understanding this is who he is. This is who he is. This is the gift of the man that God brought into my life. And he comes with these needs. And, and you need to show respect for that need. You need to show respect by having good, open conversation about that need and how you as a husband and wife can serve one another in fulfilling that need. Let me give you a word of warning. It's, it's, I didn't include it up here, but Paul gives a word of warning in the very next verse here. And the word of warning is, look, don't pray too long because it's too tempting, right? And, and we, need to, we need to be honest. Uh, and if you look at the world out there, do, do you see how many relationships are torn apart by infidelity? The reality is, that if we don't take this seriously, wives, if you don't take this serious with your husband, there's somebody else. The, the prowling lion we talked about in First Peter, this is one of his greatest tools because he knows the needs of men. And, and we just got to take that serious. So, you know, before the day is done, wives, have this conversation with your husband. Talk to him about what his needs are, what his soul needs are. Talk to him about what his spirit needs are. And talk about his body needs. And ask him that question that Paul wants you to ask. Honey, how can I respect you? How, how can I fulfill this? How can I bring the respect you need into your life? Because that's the word. That's your unique word, wives. That's the word that, that God brings into your life today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much because uh, you do love us. You, you love us in the way we're made and you crafted us to be together as husband and wife partners. And we thank you that you just lifted up women and uh, set them free from the oppression of culture and, and instead set them up to be partners and set them up to be servants and set them to be those people who fulfill your word. Father, we ask today that you'd be with uh, every wife in the room today 
that you'd help them to receive this word the way you want it. Uh, and that you would just let it grow and, and let it encourage their marriage and, and strengthen them as women. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have of serving you and the gift we have of family. And so we ask for your favor. In Jesus' name, amen.